When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome aboard the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Hope everybody had a spectacular weekend. Why wouldn't you? Right? Why wouldn't you? We're getting ready for the NFL's, what is it, OTAs? Okay, I know everybody. But then again, we dropped the schedule and we built shows around that. The NFL draft, the combines, pro days. Do you realize how close we are to July 27th? That's around where we see the NFL training camps open up. We're going to have an NFL Hall of Fame game. We're going to have inductions into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And most importantly, fans in the stands. Listen how that sounds. Fans in the stands again. Man, I'll tell you, you know, as an ex-player, and I've had the fortune of doing this, I'm being on both sides of the mic. Okay. Yeah, I've had people put the mic in front of me and ask me the dumbest questions. And I've put a mic in front of people and asked them the dumbest questions. And I never realized how important the fan bases were, both collegiately and also NFL wise. But man, I'll tell you, it is going to be, you talk about a 4th of July every day. It is going to be like a parade every day, seeing fans going through the turnstiles again at the link or MetLife, or Raymond James. That Thursday night game is going to be off the charts. How about that October 3rd game? I've already got that thing circled on my calendar. When it's going to be a Sunday night game, Patriots go and host the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. I said this last Friday, $13,000, man, is the highest ticket for that game. And the lowest is already $1,300. Man, people are – they're just anticipating – being all together again. You know, I've said this on my national radio show, and I want you guys to understand what I think football brings to people and what being in a 75,000-seat stadium means to our country, especially right now. Can you name me any other vehicle? Name me another vehicle where you can get Republicans and Democrats in the same building, in the same building, Nobody cares about your politics or your race or religion. The only thing you care about is your civic pride teams. What do you think the Eagles are going to do this year? What do you think the Cowboys are going to do this year? What do you you think Alabama? Is Alabama really the favorite to win the national championship again? Nobody talks about politics. You don't sit there and go, dude, if you're a Democrat, you can't sit next to me. 
nobody cares. They only care that you're Eagle fans or they only care that you're Giant fans or Buck fans. Got to throw the Bucks in there. <laughs> right? That's the beautiful thing about being in a stadium and having the fans back. We see so much of that stuff in our communities where people are fighting and people are divided. Nobody's divided in an NFL stadium. Everybody's together, man. I think it's one of the only places left in our country where everybody sits in the stadium and roots their favorite team, their civic pride sports team, community pride. That's what the fans are going to bring back to football this coming fall. We got kind of a little taste of it in the Southeastern Conference and in the Big 12 last year, but not so much in the NFL. Maybe a little bit in the Super Bowl, right? I think the NFL, like 25,000 first responders. But other than that, man, not really anybody was at these games. It was weird, and you saw it and you noticed it, right? It's funny. People always ask – you know what's funny? People always ask me, did you ever notice the fan when you were playing? And I said, of course you do, man, especially when it's loud as hell in them places. Absolutely. Hey, and when it's quiet like that, you totally notice it. You totally did. All right. Let's move on to some of the stories. And there's so many. By the way, I say one of the top five defensive coordinators in the history of the National Football League will be on the show today. His name is Wade Phillips. Wade, you talk about being an absolute guru when it comes to putting defensive schemes together. He is one of the greatest defensive coordinators of all time. Does a little work with Fox Sports. He's an analyst with them. And the defensive coordinator who won a Super Bowl, I believe in Denver, as a coordinator there, will join us and we'll talk a little bit about how do you defend young quarterbacks or how would you defend Tom Brady or how would you go after a guy like Jalen Hurts in his second year? We'll talk to, in my opinion, one of the greatest defensive corners. I say top five, clearly in my lifetime. And also, in the second hour, we'll talk to our friend Kevin Frazier from Entertainment Tonight. How did the NFL become so big? These television networks now invest almost all of their resources into putting NFL games on. The National Football League is the number one content provider for places like CBS, ABC, Disney, NBC. I mean, there's no other bigger shows that go on their networks other than the NFL. How did it get there? We'll talk to Kevin, get his thoughts on what that October 3rd game will mean. I mean, my God almighty, you talk about like Oscar ratings. That's what we're going to get. We'll talk with Kevin Frazier. That'll be in hour number two. Also, today we're going to play thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't know if you guys know what that is. If you have ever followed me on my national radio show or if you've ever heard me do this, I do thumbs up, thumbs down. These are the teams now after rookie mini camps, and now they're getting ready for a veteran OTA in about a week, and then they get ready for the July camp. Folks, we're here. 90 guys are getting ready to go to camp. They've picked their 90 guys. We're going. We're moving. They've already signed a boatload of guys. They got their free agents. 90 guys that went from 80 to 90 when it comes to their roster. These teams are set. What teams got better? from the last game of the regular season in 2020, and what teams did not. 
We will look at that here in a couple of minutes. Thumbs up, thumbs down. That's how we're going to do it. Okay. Let's start with this. So the beautiful thing about all the great shows that you watch, whether it be Undisputed or Colin Coward or any of these other guys that have these national platforms, you hear people make opinions on something. And, you know, you I, I get so much content just on people's responses. And it's not so much what they're saying, but when I hear somebody throw this out, so the Dallas Cowboys this year and their expectations moving forward, what do you think the expectations of the Dallas Cowboys are? I heard one guy actually, LeVar Arrington, make the comment that, hey, if they make it to the playoffs, they have a successful season, that's going to be a successful year. I started thinking, I don't really think LeVar knows who the owner of that football team is and what he just did. I got 42 million reasons. Why that is no longer just good enough to get to the postseason. You paid a quarterback $42 million, and in my opinion, you overpaid Dak Prescott. But that's the market value. That's what, that's what people keep telling me. That's the market value. Hey, and for the record, I have become more of a fan of Dak Prescott and how he's handled himself than what I was prior to him getting injured. I love how everything about the kid. I heard Dan Mullen talking about how he improved as a quarterback how he improved as a player at Mississippi State when Dan was there. Really, that story is one of the best stories I've heard. You know, they had him, like, at a high school camp, and Dan Mullen went like this. This kid doesn't have it. I don't see it. I just don't see it. Then they gave him a couple more things to work on. Then the strength and conditioning coach comes over and goes, Coach, man, you got to sign this guy. This guy's special. Something about this guy. He, he, he moves people. He makes people – Want to play with him and for him. Dan's like, man, I wish he could throw the ball better. They gave him a couple more skill set things to work on. Guy came back. Dan goes, this kid improved so much. And what did he do? Gave him a scholarship. A couple years there, you know, didn't see greatness. But you know what he saw? Improvement. Massive improvement. So by the time that Dak Prescott left Mississippi State, Dan Mullen goes, I can't believe – from where I had this guy five years ago to where I left him and then sent him to the NFL, he's only going to continue to get better and better and better. My opinion, Dak Prescott's one of these late bloomer guys. Okay? He's just learning the skill set of being a leader and being a quarterback in the NFL. And he's getting better and better and better. Remember, it's not where you're drafted in the draft. It's if you get an opportunity to play in the league, what you do with that opportunity. How many times have you seen later draft choice guys, especially at the quarterback position, Joe Montana? I mean, think of this for a minute. The two greatest quarterbacks or considered the two greatest quarterbacks in pro football history were not drafted in the first two rounds. Joe Montana's a third-round draft choice, and Tom Brady's a sixth-round draft choice. Those two dudes right there have 11 Super Bowls between them, and they were not first- or second-round draft choices. Montana was totally at a noodle arm, and Brady said – you know, hey, I'm here. You know what everyone said? Who are you? This guy had a noodle body when he showed up at the camp, when he showed up at the combines. Every time the draft comes around, he posts that combine picture of him. Looked like a school teacher somewhere. So Dak is one of these guys that has elevated himself. Do I think the Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders? No. No. But when you pay a guy $42 million a year, friends, 
The expectations in your building are, get this, I need to get my value for this. Anytime you elevate an NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, a CEO of a company, when you start paying a guy $25 million, $42 million a year, so you think just getting to the dance is cool? That's not what I'm thinking. When you get an opportunity to and you pay someone that kind of money, my point is this. Hey, you better and you better deliver. Because you know what people will look back on Dak Prescott's career and say? You're Tony Romo. I know. But do you know what the only difference is? Tony Romo was an undrafted free who exceeded every expectation when he came out of college. Tony Romo ends up being the Cowboys' all-time leading passer in stats. Not that that's a big deal to me because I could care less about stats. They're for dudes that sit around at a bar on a Friday with other dudes and dicks and play fantasy football. <laughs> okay? Not for me. I don't care about stats. I care about winning. And Tony Romo delivered everything, man. He over-delivered. Undrafted free agent. Turns out to be that guy. Hey, man, you couldn't ask Tony Romo to do any more than what he was capable of doing. I know people said, well, you know, Romo never delivered a Super Bowl. Well, the expectations on Tony Romo was he wasn't even supposed to make the NFL, let alone be a starter, let alone be the starter at the Cowboys. I mean, there, you have to put everything in perspective on what's being asked of you, okay? Like, look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the ultimate overachiever. Ultimate. Six-round draft choice, they didn't even like him. At Michigan, Drew Henson and those other stiffs that Lloyd Carr was putting in in front of him, they never wanted Brady. I don't care what Michigan pretends to do now. Or all the people in college football tell you what they thought of Tom Brady at Michigan. Oh, Tom was such a leader. No, he wasn't. Nobody in that organization at any time thought much of Tom Brady. Even when he started winning ball games, he wasn't even the starter going into his final year at Michigan. They did everything they could to try to recruit around him and bring other people in. When they realized that they finally had the guy, it was too late. He had limited starts. You want to hear something that's even more absurd? You know, Tom Brady and Joe Montana will never, ever go into the College Football Hall of Fame, ever. And this, this is a testament of Notre Dame and Michigan. You had those two guys. Both of them have national championship rings in college. And they're not going to the Hall of Fame in college football ever. Because there's a parameter where you have to have been on a first team All-American team for you to go into the Hall of Fame. That's like a priority. Instead of looking at who you are, what you are, what you meant to college football, what you meant to your team, did you win? Did you not win? They've got like a benchmark. You've got to be an All-American. That's on the schools, man. The schools failed those guys. You know, I, I, I tell people this all the time, and I'll get back and I'll circle back to Dak here in a minute. You know, I keep hearing people tell me, well, Justin Fields landed in the right place with Chicago. Justin Fields, it will be a bust in the NFL in my opinion. I don't see it. Why would I see it? Name me a game where you went, man, that guy was just unreal. I mean, what, Northwestern? He actually sucked this year in the Big Ten championship game. I didn't think he played that hot. 
against Indiana in Bloomington. Indiana? Who's that? I thought they played basketball only. Indiana's got a football team? Great. Okay. He threw three picks in that game. And in college football, windows are wide open. Wide open. And I, and I say this about Ryan Day and Urban Meyer. We'll see what Meyer does as a head coach at Jacksonville. You had, you had Joe Burrow in the building. You had Joe Burrow sitting in the quarterback room. Get this. With Dwayne Haskins. With Justin Fields. He was transferring from Georgia. And you turned and looked at Joe Burrow and said, you're not good enough to start here at Ohio State, even though the kid's from Ohio. Joe Burrow's an Ohio kid. And they looked at him and said, you're not good enough to play here, man. You may get some snaps. You may get some garbage time, but you're, you're, you're not playing here. So Burrow had to transfer. Goes to LSU, and he does that magical season, wins the Heisman. He wins the national championship. And most importantly, you know what he wins? The money belt. He's the number one overall draft choice for the Bengals. And now he's the face of the Bengals. Oh, and by the way, the Bengals do play in Ohio. You could have had the perfect storm if you were the Buckeyes. Local kid comes home to try to resurrect the Cincinnati Bengals. No way. They thought they knew better in Columbus. Justin Fields was the guy. And Dwayne Haskins, that's your evaluation? We'll see. We'll see. When I see Dak, I look at Dak and I go like this. He's getting better and better. But you see, here's why Dak won't win. And I want to be cool with this because I love the Jones family. I really do. I love the Jones family. And I have great respect for them. I was in Jerry Jones's first training camp at Thousand Oaks. I've posted our pictures together with the Cowboys when I was there for my cup of coffee. And working for Jerry and being around Jerry is one of the coolest things and Stephen Jones you can possibly have. It's a first flight organization. They do everything for the players. They make the players comfortable. They do everything for the families. It's really an absolute cool place to work for. I enjoyed my time uh, working and playing for Jerry Jones. I started a couple of preseason games. I started the very first game for him. It was against the uh, San Diego Chargers. We came out to San Diego. It was Jimmy Johnson's very first game. Though Those two were sitting there, and those guys were just great. But the reason that Dak's not going to make it and win a Super Bowl is because Jerry, again, you know, I, I, I'll give you guys and, – and, again, this all goes into the $42 million that – Dak Prescott is going to make this year. He, he can't just – you can't just do what LeVar Arrington says. Well, you know, if he has a successful season, if he makes it to – dude, that's – that's not good enough. There's a price tag on everything now. Everything raises. Expectations raise. When you've got stuff like this, expectations will always raise especially when you're putting a price tag of $42 million there. But see, Jerry, what he's done is Jerry's quest to be a champion is now, in my opinion, it's now blinding his, his, his insight to allow people to evaluate positions, coaches. Jerry's so involved, he thins himself. And here's what I mean by that. 
when Jimmy Johnson was the head football coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and this all pertains to Dak here and winning, Jimmy did not do one play call ever in the Dallas Cowboys history his five years in Dallas. He never at any time called a play. That wasn't Jimmy's deal. His position was, I hired the coach to do that. Jimmy was involved in player personnel. He had a right-hand man. His name was Bob Ackles. It wasn't Jerry Jones. It was Bob Ackles and Jimmy. Bob Ackles would come to Jimmy and say, here are the names that are available that are going to be out in free agency. What guys do you want to target? And Bob would know the type of guy that Jimmy liked. They would circle. The whole, the whole Charles Haley thing. I don't know if all of you know how that thing worked out. Okay, George Seifert, this is one of the greatest and most amazing stories of all time. After Bill Walsh left, George Seifert got the job, right? Charles Haley couldn't stand. Could not stand. Could not stand George Seifert. Well, guess what he did in one meeting? He leaves the meeting. Are you listening? He stands on George Seifert's car and he urinates on his hood. George Seifert ran to Carmen Policy's room, and he said, get this son of a you-know-what out of here. They called the one in 15 Dallas Cowboys. Bob Ackles goes to Jimmy. Charles Haley, you're not going to believe it. He's got two Super Bowl rings. They want to trade him to us. Jimmy went like this because the 49ers thought Jimmy was a joke. I'll take him. He called Haley. Jimmy did and said, you come here, man. I expect you to just be – who you are. Don't go over your skis and you'll have a great time there. He ends up winning two more Super Bowls. Three more, excuse me. Ends up winning three more Super Bowls. Five. Five. Jimmy took them. Changed the franchise forever. That's how he did it. And get this, there was no Jerry Jones in the room. There was none of that. Jerry was nowhere to be seen in the room. He didn't run his trades. You know the Herschel Walker trade? He never – you know, as much as Jerry likes to tell people that that was run through him, it was never run through him. Jimmy made that decision up when Coach Johnson was on a run with the rest of his guys. We had Dave Wanstad on with us a couple days ago, and we went over that. Jimmy Jerry was never involved, but Jerry likes to change the narrative around trying to, you know, tell people that he was involved. He was never involved in any of that. So he gets in the way. Well, by the way, Wade Phillips was the head coach of the Cowboys. We will ask Wade that question, and we'll get his thoughts on that. Also, thumbs up, thumbs down, what teams did well, what teams did not do so that hot in the offseason. We'll do that. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. the best time of the year because coaches right now okay are getting themselves ready for both the college and the pro seasons they've got their roster set guys okay they've got their roster set now it's about filling in whether or not you're looking for depth maybe there's going to be some positions that will have battles these coaches look like I said, too, economics plays a factor, especially when you're talking about the NFL level. And you know what the big thing you have to do nowadays in college football? You've got to recruit, you've got to like re-recruit the guys that you even have on your own roster nowadays. Okay. So we'll get to all that here, but I gotta tell you, folks, I've been around some of the greatest defensive coordinators of all time. And I've said this before about Wade Phillips. Coach Phillips is Arguably, in my lifetime, one of the top five guys when it comes to putting schemes together, evaluating talent, and you want to know about how to stop young quarterbacks, here is your guy. He joins us now here, the son of bum, Wade Phillips. Hey, Coach, how you doing? I'm doing fine. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, Coach, that's one of my favorite Twitter handles, the son of bum. I mean, I mean, you know, Co- Coach, you've had, you've had so many great people in your life that have Given your given you influence, what was Coach Phillips? What was the biggest influence besides being your dad, obviously? But as a coach, what was that one thing he implemented with you when it came to being a coach in the NFL? Uh, I think it's just working with people. You know, uh, he had such a an easy way of, of working with not handling people, but working with people, and uh, I think that's the key part of it. You know, Coach, you know, I, I tell people this all the time, man. I mean, communication with kids and communication with players is one of the most important things. And Jimmy Johnson was my coach. 
And he used to look people in the face all the time, coach. And he used to tell people, if you want to be constructive with someone, get to know them personally. Know a little bit about them. Know the guys on your roster. If you want to be destructive, just start hollering at people. So it was a priority for coaches. And I think those are the great ones, coach, that have a personal relationship with some of the guys that are on their roster. It might be tougher in the NFL to do that because of salary caps and Guys, the, the roster changes so much, but still, it really starts with communicating. Yeah, life and football are about people. I mean, that's what it's about. That's that's what that's what life's about. It's about communication with um, your spouse or or your friends or your people you're working with. Uh, it all goes together. Coach, I was just before I brought you on. I said right now, pretty much the coaches in the NFL know there are ninety guys. What are you looking at as a staff right now? As you're coming out of the rookie OTAs, you're going to have another veteran um, organized team activity. You're going to have a mini camp. Then you're going to have training camp in July. What are you looking at right now as a staff as you look at your 90-man roster? I think you're trying to fit everybody in. I mean, you got a good look at – if you if you got to look at the rookies, you know, you get to kind of see if they're – what you thought they were on film and uh, – on video. So um, I think just arranging, you know, your roster as to who's competing where and maybe who's going to help you. Coach, I, you know, I, I, I remember going through all these training camps and you know, I've asked so many coaches this, and to me, it seems that you guys do this. You just, you just like dump every single thing on these guys mentally as much as you possibly can and then you're trying to figure out how much these guys can retain when it comes to the playbook, when it comes to routine, when it comes to all that stuff. Is that kind of how it is right now? You want to see if how much they can retain the knowledge. Yeah, that's what a lot of people do. I, I take the different approach. I mean, uh, you know, it's all about making mistakes and not making mistakes. And so uh, my, my job is to teach. And so, uh, you know, we have – we have uh, we put things in, but but we try to go at the pace where where uh, or I'll, I've always gone at the pace. If we put in a coverage, and and we're going to put in another one the next day, another one the next day, another one the next day. If that cur if that first coverage didn't, if they don't get grasp it the first day, I repeat it, and I repeat it again until we till we get that down, and that I think that's. Our teaching progression, I think, is important. We've had, we've had a lot of teams that I've been with that we've been successful early, first year, and I, and I really believe it's because we didn't uh, throw all that stuff at them where, where we lose people. And, uh, you know, you can give a uh, – you know, they always worry about young quarterbacks, you know, getting too much stuff. Well, young players are the same way. It's not just the quarterback. So if you want a young player to play – uh, he's got to know what to do. I mean, any player has to know what to do. And so I, that's my first priority is to, to teach him what to do and then uh, and then how to do it. You know, Coach Coach Belichick, um, he mentioned something to me before about this. And he goes like, when I'm, when I'm looking at as a defensive scheme and I'm looking at an offense, it's funny you should say that because he goes, I want to find the guy who knows the least amount of what is being asked to him. He'll look at guys on knowledge, and he'll look at someone and go, if there's a free agent, or like you said, Coach, if there's a rookie who doesn't really understand what's – that's going to be a point of attack. 
And that's going to be how they look at it. Because with all free agency movement now, again, that's kind of a philosophy that he had where the knowledge of that kid and that player is one of the areas that we're going to hit on. Is that how you're looking at it? That's why you go over your style instead of, say, maybe inundating these kids with style because you got to know where to line up when you get to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's complicated. There's no doubt about that. I mean, because offenses are complicated, defenses have to be complicated. But uh, I do think the teaching progression, I, I, when I got the job with Dan Reeves the first time in, in Denver, and uh, one, of the, one of the things he asked me when he interviewed me, he said, do you play young players? I thought it was a trick question, you know, and uh, I said, of course. And he said, okay, you got the job. You know, <laughs> he asked me some other stuff, but – you got the job. And then I asked Mike Nolan and, and Charlie Waters who were there. I said, why did he ask me that? And he said, because, uh, you know, the, the staff before didn't play young players because it took them too long to get them ready. I said, well, I always play the best player, you know, whether they're first year or 10 year. I mean, and, uh, and we had a, we had a young linebacker named Michael Brooks uh, who his first year didn't play. And the next year he was in the Pro Bowl. So, I mean, you know, uh, we let him play, and he he could play. So I, I think that I always learned something from that was really, hey, you know, you you got to get it taught to whoever you have, but you got to get your best players on the on the field if they're young or old. Coach, um, head coach in Dallas, you were, and I want to get your thoughts. Um, you know, I asked Jimmy Johnson what his time was in Dallas with Jerry, and he goes like this: I just wish I had allowed Jerry to play more with his toy. And he goes, I wish that I was just more of, um, you know, a politician. He goes, you've got to have that dynamic. And Jimmy regrets that. He's told me that before. How was your time in Dallas as the head coach? Did you enjoy working for Jerry Jones? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's uh, – and I'm sure Jimmy told you, I mean, he's a – when you're with uh, the Cowboys uh, and working for Jerry, you're part of the family. I mean, his whole family works in it, you know, uh, you know, Jerry Jr. And, and Steven and Charlotte, they all work with the Cowboys. And so uh, they they include you in their family, you know, and and uh, I always appreciated that. It, it's pretty neat, you know, because with most owners, you're, <laughs> you don't know the owner. Of course, he's a general manager, too, which is a different dynamic, but uh, – but I always appreciate that about him, you know, that, that you were part of his family. It, uh, my wife, Lori, flew to the games with them and flew back with them, you know. Sometimes I flew back with them, too, so we could talk about the game, you know, afterwards. So, um, you know, he's – he's uh, he, I love owners that want to win. He wants to win. Now, there's different ways to go about it. Some of them stay out of it. Some of them, you know, some of them, like him, he's a general manager, so he's got to be in the middle of it. Uh, and he, you know, for whatever people think, I mean, he's a football guy. He's been in football for a long, long time. And he played, you know, he played ball with, with uh, Jimmy and those guys. So, I mean, it's not like he doesn't have any football background. Absolutely. Uh, he played with Larry Lacewell and those guys at Arkansas. Yeah. And, yeah. And, them dudes. And, 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 I, and I played and I had a cup of coffee with him too, Wade. I mean, I, I, I say the same thing. If you're a player, you're a coach, you're going to get the best of everything. I mean, the training facility, that place over at, you know, when we were training at Thousand Oaks, it was all set up great. The Valley Ranch facility was state-of-the-art. When I got there, I'd never seen anything like it. So the perimeter around it, I mean, he gives his players and coaches everything. 
But then when I see something like last year, Coach, when they went from a 4-3 to a 34, and I try to explain this, and you're the best guy to talk about this. You know, when you're in a 3-4 defense, you don't have 43 personnel. And so when you're flipping that around and you're saying you want to go to a Mike Nolan 34 or you want to do that, no wonder the Cowboys got ran off the field last year because 34 to 43 personnel are completely different. It's like Mars in the moon. Am I right when I say that? And that's kind of why they got in trouble last year. Yeah, well, I've done it several times, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when I went to Houston, they, they were 4-3 and they were 31st in the league and we went to second to go on to 3-4. When I went to San Diego with the Chargers, they were 4-3. And we were, we had the first pick in the draft, and we won twelve games the first the first year, going to three four. So uh, it can be done, you know. Uh, uh, they didn't do it well there, but uh, you know, I, I don't think it's all personnel. It's what you do with the personnel, certainly. Huh? So you think maybe it's more so than it's not the scheme; it's the lack of thereof having a defensive tackle, good inside linebackers, or guys who could set the edge. Um, because yeah, it's, still, it's, still, it's still coming down to players, but uh, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> the four three and a three, an, an over four three, and and a uh, you know, or an under four three. The only difference in that and the three four is is the guy on the end of the line has his hand down instead of standing up. That's the only difference in that front. And so you're, you know, it's not that different personnel. People think now a two gap. Three four team, that's different. I've always been a one gap three four team to to utilize the uh, pass rush basically. So uh, so we've always had a pretty good transition when we had to do that. Hey coach, I'll tell you a quick story. So I get to the Buccaneers, they draft me fifty six. Ray Perkins is there. I'd never played nose guard in my entire life. I'm a three. I'm a I'm a three gap one gap guy. Jimmy used to just say, "Get up the field and get on TV." That's all he used to say. I got to I got to Tampa Bay, and no, we want you to two gap. I'm like, okay, what's that now? Yeah, what you're doing is you're holding on to the guard or the center in front of you so the linebackers can make plays. I went, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a TV guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. That's uh... coach these young quarterbacks. As a defensive guy like yourself, and you see all these kids coming out of college today compared to what they were years ago where like, it, it just took them years to be able to, you know, become part of what that system was. Why do you think we're seeing these kids fit in a little bit better now than what we did years ago? Well, everybody's throwing the ball in, in high school. I mean, you know, they're starting in high school and – uh, high school emulates college, which emulates, you know, and, and everybody's wide open throwing the ball. I think, you know, I mean, the first thing the quarterback needs to do, not not handoff, but needs to be able to throw the football. So I think they're getting a lot more, uh, at least passing, you know, throwing the ball uh, a whole lot more in, in high school and college now than they were before. And I think that's that's been a big factor. A couple more questions for you here, Coach. With these young quarterbacks, what was the number one thing when you were putting your game plan together and your guys showed up on Wednesday and they got their game plan and they're looking at the game plan, they're looking at the last three games, the trends of what this particular team, what was the number one thing that you would want to go after with a young quarterback? 
Well, uh, there's several things. Uh, first, you know, the first thing I want to know is, uh, I wanted to look at is if he, he had to uh, call the protections or change protections, you know, if he's involved in that, you know, because, you know, when you're going against a Peyton Manning or a, or a Tom Brady or somebody like that, you're not going to fool those guys. But if if it's a young quarterback, I want to see if he can change change the protection if he's if he's the guy calling it. Now some teams let the you know the center or somebody else call the protections because they're young. But if they are calling the protections, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna show them one thing and do something else basically, you know, uh, to start with. If they're doing that now, the the main thing with me I think is accuracy of the young quarterback is 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 how accurate he's going to be. So I'm going to play man to man against the guy. I'm going to play man-to-man and make him be really accurate. I'm not going to let him uh, dink and dunk and throw zone stuff. Uh, You know, they always say, hey, you know, get him a few completions so he gets going, that kind of thing. I'm going to come out and play man-to-man against him and and make him be accurate if he completes passes. And then uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of other things you do, certainly. Uh, Check his coverage recognition, you know, uh, play with him or the freeze. Most most everybody, not just – uh, rookies uh, look at the free safety. You know, free safety goes to half. They're playing halves and, uh, you know, in the closed middle if he's going to the middle. So, uh, you know, we're starting to the middle, go to a half, uh, get him like he's going to rush and then come back. You know, those kind of things, to test him on that stuff. And then uh, I think the key thing, especially with young quarterbacks, is how they handle pressure or perceived pressure. So, uh, you know, if they think the pressure's coming, what are they going to do? And then drop out of it, or or pressure the guy and see what he does. I'm not a big all out pressure guy. I mean, I'm not a uh, all out blitz guy, but I uh, I do think you can uh, give him a six man rush with with one of the guys covering the back, uh, which looks like a blitz, and, and see what they do and see what see how they handle that kind of pressure. So I think those things are, are key. Now you have you to see what he can do too. I mean, if he can run with the football, then you got to you got to make some adjustments there too. You know, Coach, I always can tell when a guy lacks the courage. And Baker Mayfield got better. And what I mean by that is early on in the year last year, you can see him when pressure came, he took off. All of a sudden, as week eight and then on, he started having more courage in the pocket. Instead of going up the field, Coach, to try to get a first down, he was going laterally trying to create passing lanes and moving the strong and free safety around. And you saw him getting better. And that was a sign for me. That's why I thought they picked the option up on him, Coach, was that, you know, the young quarterback, he wants to take off and he wants to try to run for the sticks. But the good ones like Roethlisberger, Benches floats back there, and he tries to move the free and strong, and he tries to find passing lanes. That, to me, is a sign, like you said. So patience back there, isn't it, on your defensive side of the ball? Yeah, that's a key. That's a key. And that's why Mahomes is so good. Because when he came out, he was already doing that. He's scrambling around, but he's scrambling to throw the football and make a big play. And that's, uh, and he, you know, he's really quick. And Mayfield really came along. Like I said, he came along that way uh, real well. And, and it takes some, it takes some playing time with some, some guys are natural. Let's take some playing time, and certainly the coaches have something to do with it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Coach, I leave you with this. Jonathan Vilma said playing against a guy like Peyton Manning, man, you'd have to get down 
And you've got to be as patient as you can because he's going to take that thing down to about five seconds on the play clock, and you're going to sit there, and then all of a sudden he's going to he has to he has to set the blocking scheme. So he sets the blocking scheme, and Vilma goes got him, and then they would go to their defensive they would go to their defensive schemes. So when you have a veteran linebacker like that, that's got to be essential, especially when you're playing against guys like Brady and Manning, because they're going to wait for you, aren't they? They're going to – they're so patient there in the huddle, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Of course, we practiced against Manning with, you know, when when, uh, coached with him with the Broncos. And, you know, he would – he would – he would talk to the strong safety and say, hey, you're supposed to be up here if you're going to blitz, you know, and stuff (laughs) like that. (laughs) If they – if they staggered their stance or something, he'd see it, and they were coming. So, you know, those guys, uh, that's why those guys are Hall of Famers. Absolutely. Coach, thank you so much for your time. What a great class lesson we just got here. Thank you so much. You bet. You bet. You like my trophy back here? Which one is that for? That's your Super Bowl trophy? Yeah. yeah. I love it. Look at that thing there, man. Holy cow, Broncos, right? Yep. yep. Man, that's awesome. All the Do all the assistant coaches get one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Coach, thank you so much. I enjoyed it, Dan. Thanks. That is the great coach, Wade Phillips. I tell you, one of the absolutely best defensive coordinators in pro football history right there. I do love that. I do love that trophy. I wish I had me one of them. I only got national championship rings there. That's all I got there. We'll take a brief time out and keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. D-A-T-L-E-S-E-O! Jody Mack. 
the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Our friend Kevin Frazier from Entertainment Tonight started at ESPN and Fox Sports. He's been now, I think, doing that show. Entertainment Tonight covers the Oscars and the Grammys, all that stuff. Red carpet stuff. I think he's been doing Entertainment Tonight for now 15 years. Incredible. We both kind of like started our broadcasting career together. And we've been friends ever since. So we're going to hopefully run him down. We're going to effort him in the second hour. And we appreciate you being aboard here with us. By the way, it was great catching up with Wade Phillips. I say this to you all the time. You could never go wrong by hiring Wade as a consultant or your DC. You know, not every guy can make that transition, friends, from the defensive position as coordinator to the head coach. I, I, I don't think people understand how difficult that transition is. Bill Parcells tells you all the time, he had to go from being the defensive coordinator of the New York Giants when Ray Perkins was the head coach of the Giants, and he had to learn how to be a head You have to learn how to be a head coach. That's just not something you just do this. Here, well, let me put the main headsets on here, and um, here we are here. I'm the head coach now. Oh, yeah, this is what – that's not how that works. That's not how that works, man. There's a transition because now you've got to – you can't just be one centric side like Buddy Ryan was when he was the head coach of the Eagles. Buddy loved his defensive guys. Buddy turned the team over to Randall Cunningham on offense, gave him the team, and they ran with it. But you know what? They never ran into a championship setting. That football team underachieved because you know why? The head coach wasn't balanced. He just wasn't. Rex Ryan is another great example. Now, Rex didn't have the quarterback that Buddy had in Philadelphia, but you know, you you've you've got to learn how to split your time. Special teams is just as important. I was telling you before we got Wade Phillips on. Hey, one of the things that was so essential for Coach Johnson's success, he was the best delegator I have ever seen uh, when it came to his coaches coaching, his personnel people working. There was a system there. There was a hierarchy. There were two dudes that handled the personnel and evaluated the coaches and the players. And then there were guys who just coached. His coordinators all coached. Okay? There was no meddling. Now, Coach Johnson would throw, like, in team meetings and then in, you know, coaching staff meetings, he would throw his two cents in. But he hired a guy for a reason. You're going to be my offensive coordinator. You know, how many times do you see coaches or how many times do you see organizations? You know, I keep using the Eagles as an example here. You know, when Howie Roseman, the general manager of the team, is giving Doug Peterson the players that are going to play on Sunday and giving the head coach who's available, that's not helping. That's hurting. That's in the way. The head coach should be giving that sheet to the GM. This is who we're playing, not vice versa. You can't run a football team from the owner's box. 
That's what some of these guys don't get. Bob Kraft does not run the New England Patriots from the owner's box. Bob Kraft runs the Patriots from the sidelines because he entitles and empowers Bill Belichick. The Seahawks are a success. Why? The Seahawks are a success because Carroll runs the team from the sidelines. You know why the Green Bay Packers can't cross the finish line more so than not? It's because they're run by a committee. The Packers are run by a committee. You mean to tell me in 30 years you have two quarterbacks, a Favre and Rodgers statue, and you win two Super Bowls? Ben Roethlisberger's won more than them combined. That's not success. How about this? That's actually un- – When we go back and we look at Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers' career, just like I do Peyton Manning, follow me here when I say this. Peyton Manning, you think he over or underachieved in Indianapolis? One Super Bowl title in Indy. With all that talent, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, Dallas Clark. Okay, look at the running backs, Edgar and James. Okay, he even had Marshall Falk back there. Do you think he over or underachieved? Okay, he underachieved in Indianapolis. That team should have won numerous championships. I know you're in the era of Brady, but so what? You have all that talent. My God, can you imagine if Tom Brady had that indie talent in New England? They would have had numerous undefeated seasons. So you give Brady... Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison as his Y and Z, his two wide receivers. How do you think those guys perform? Good or bad? <laughs> and, oh, how about this? And you give them Edwin James, who, by the way, is going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year. Look at the Hall of Famers. Wayne's going to go into the Hall of Fame. Harrison's in the Hall of Fame. Edwin James, Hall of Famer. Peyton Manning, Hall of Famer. Tony Dungy, Hall of Famer, one title? That's why everybody keep, you know, they tell me, oh, the 85 Bears, greatest football team ever. Really? You win one Super Bowl? That's not what I look at as the greatest team of all time. Maybe greatest season. But then I go like this. What about that Dolphin Shula team that went to three straight Super Bowls and won two of them, and one of them was undefeated? I don't know. Show me a better run in football history. Cowboys, three and five, maybe? But then you go back to the Dolphins. Dolphins had undefeated season in that whole mix. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm a guy that always looks, and this is the National Football Show. I look out at the history, and I'm never a prisoner of the moment. Okay? Is the New England dynasty the best dynasty ever? Yeah. Yeah. Is it the greatest franchise ever? No. It's not. That resides in Pittsburgh. Okay. Very few down times during Steeler time since 1969. And when you look at the success that that team has had since 69, there's no other team. I tell you the stat all the time. Only three coaches since 1969. I mean, there's a, there's a reason that they are successful. So, yeah, I mean – There's no question when you're looking at building consistency, 
It starts with management getting out of the way. By the way, don't you think Bob Kraft gets all the credit anyway? Do you have to have your name on the marquee? Watch this. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, they win all those Super Bowls. Who owned the team? Uh, Bob Kraft. Okay, well, Bob had something to do with that too, keeping everybody happy. Because you know what happens when you're around people too long. Ego gets in the way. Bob Kraft had to take these two guys sometimes and put them in corners. Brady not getting his way. Belichick not getting his way. Belichick with Spygate, Deflategate, had to hammer him for that because they lost millions of dollars in draft choices. Kraft came parachuting in. Why did we do this? Tom Brady wanted to get Garoppolo out. Won a Super Bowl doing it, so it was all good. It was worth it. Getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo was worth it to Bob Kraft. You know why? He got a second rounder out of it, and you won a Super Bowl out of it. Brady wasn't finished, and Brady just proved another point. He's still not done. Even though Belichick, and get this, that's the strength of Bob Kraft. Bob Kraft sat back and went, Brady's not finished. He's not finished. I guarantee you Bill Belichick kept prodding going, hey, it might be time to make that transition. It might be time. Head coaches, they get they, – they, they, I don't want to say they pull the ripcord, but what no one wants to have happen is you don't want to be the Broncos and the Dolphins post-Marino and Elway when you're constantly searching for that dude. You know what I mean? Look at the Broncos. If it wasn't for Peyton Manning – saying I want to come play in Denver, who have they had at the quarterback position? Paxton Lynch's, the Brock Osweiler's, the Brian Gracie's, the bums of football. And, hey, how about this? Great. NFL, you made it. Wonderful. Man, but when you're talking John Elway, they've never been able to find that guy. Look at the Dolphins. They're praying tug – to, uh, Tua Tugaviola is the guy. And when you're praying, then you're not sure. Remember what I tell you? Praying? There's two things in the NFL that you never want to hear. I'm praying he pans out, and maybe. You know what my favorite words are? He is, and he's great. Okay? I hate that. Maybe. I'm praying he pans What? Praying? <laughs> hey, I'm praying for the lottery tickets, too, every day. For the last 30 years, I've been playing for I've been praying for lottery tickets. Funny, that prayer's not been answered. <laughs> okay. And, and, and since Marino left, that prayer hasn't been answered, too. Oh, unless you're counting Chad Pennington. Praying? <laughs> Nobody wants to hear, hey, part of my game plan. Oh, wait a minute. Part of my offseason analogy is going like this. Hey, I'm praying that we really have a really great year. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm praying. No, man, we're going to have a great year because we got the pieces to, to get ready for the upcoming season. All right. We're going to hit on – you know what? I don't even know why I do this, but I'm going to make a point to you on it. 
I got asked a question. I vote on the top 25 college football teams every week. Okay. I vote on the top 25. And for the record, I vote on every single award in college football, every award, all the all American teams from freshman team, all the way through everyone, uh, the AP teams, all of them. I vote on every single team and I vote on like the outland, as you can see over here, I think my outland ball, there's my outland trophy ball in the corner over there. The little one with the blue thing. I was an outland candidate back in the day. And so they put me on the, uh, voting panel to vote for the Outland Trophy every year. It's that one right there, right there in the corner there. Yeah, my senior year, I was an Outland Trophy candidate, so they let me. So all these awards I vote on. And I got asked the question today, who are your top five teams? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> really, who, who are my top five teams? I'm going to make a point to you also. I promised we would play thumbs up, thumbs down. Teams and how I see them going into their training camps and into their mini camps. Because right now, the 90-man roster is set, okay? We were just talking to Wade Phillips about that. Now what you're doing is, is there a battle at defensive tackle? Do we have to have a battle here? How many wide receivers are we going to carry? How many um, – Offensive linemen are we going to carry versus defensive tackles? Do we have a history of guys? You have to weigh all of that out. So we'll look at the teams, thumbs up, thumbs down, as we get ready for that. We'll do that in a second hour. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap. Go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. D-A-T-L-E-S-E-O! Jody Mag. 
the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network. Dan Cilio here on the National Football Show. Appreciate everybody coming aboard with us here as you do each and every single week now. Hey, man, all I can tell you is this. We got a powerhouse week lined up for you again. We have been knocking them down, and it has just absolutely been awesome, and we really appreciate everybody clicking on and viewing us later. You know the cool thing about this new vehicle that I'm doing? You know what's really cool about it? You might not be able to watch it 4 to 6 Eastern time, but you guys are like now like like watching it later and you're still seeing people like watch our interviews that we do. We're so thankful, man, that you guys are able to do this. I even got when Howard Eskin came on a couple days ago, Howard goes like this. Hey man, can you do me a favor? Can you get me the Frank Wright uh, interview? And so I sent it to him. So he watched it along with his guys at WIP. And I, I got text messages from everybody, from Spike to everyone going, I can't believe that Frank Wright said that to you. And I was talking to Krause before we went on the air and you could tell. And by the way, I love my guy, Frank. We've been friends for over 30 years. And Frank kind of, I think, kind of like caught himself. He goes, no, maybe the owner, I don't remember anything. And I was like, all good, man. So I left it alone there. So all good, man. So we got a boatload of folks. And just a little insight for tomorrow, we're going to have Herm Edwards and Ron Jaworski on with us tomorrow. So we hope you'll join us. In this hour, we're going to try to effort our friend Kevin Frazier from Entertainment Tonight to get his thoughts. And um I started with Kevin years and years ago. And Kevin was working in, in radio and he was doing it for the very first time. And he will tell you, he just was not very good at it. But now Kevin's been like at entertainment tonight. It's got to be going on either 15 or 20 years. He's been there for a boatload of time and covering the Oscars versus covering sports. You know, you got to know all these like really crazy names, especially the hockey guys, like guess the Deacon or whomever, you know, Versus watching and studying the best foreign film. So that's always a study. So it's really cool getting a chance to catch up with Kevin Frazier. So hopefully in this hour, we're going to be able to do that. All right. I promised you that we're going to do thumbs up, thumbs down. Teams that I think made a play and teams that I think that are going to surprise and maybe some teams that are going to walk it backwards. You got to remember something as we set that up. Um, the NFL is really great on how they love parody. What makes the league great is they love parody in the sport. So how do they set parody up? Well, the bad teams get the best players in the draft. The worst teams get the worst or they get the softest schedule. Teams that don't do well, you're not going to get a brutal schedule. Okay. They're going to try to elevate you. They're going to try to help your organization, your fan base, Sometimes it's fool's gold because the next year when a team goes from being a 4-12 and 12 team and all of a sudden they're 12-4, and four, the next year they're back to being 6-10. and 10, And people always look at it, is that fool's gold? 
kind of in a way because it's the way the league is set up. The league loves parity. They're always worried about the bottom end of their respected league. That Unlike the NBA and Major League Baseball, who will let a team just sit there and die on the vine and nobody cares about them. That's why, quite frankly, when, when you look at the NBA's rating, do you know the NBA's ratings are down 48% since 2017? And you're trying to tell me, you know, it's funny, I, I, I tune on and radio shows right now are actually talking NBA. Why? Half your audience is gone in three years, four years. Four years, you've lost 50% of your audience. <laughs> Why is that? Because they don't care about the rest of the league. They care about LeBron and the Nets and maybe Steph and maybe Philly. Some maybe with Boston. Well, what about the other teams? Milwaukee, Orlando, Toronto. Okay, what about those teams? Sacramento. Don't care about those teams, man, because you know why? They're not ratings magnets. But in the NFL, you could be in market. You know, it's funny about Green Bay. Green Bay is like market 287. It's like 287. But Green Bay is one of the highest rated football teams because of the logo. The NFL and the way they brand their league and the way the NFL just markets their league is just second to none. It really is. And there is no doubt. We're going to see teams that we saw a year ago do well that aren't going to do so well this year because of what I just said. So I'm going to hit on that here in a minute. But I also teased coming in to this, to this hour here, I talked a little bit about college football in the top five. I got asked who my top five teams are. You know, and I, I get asked all the time to put a top 25 together. And I don't really do that. I don't really like to do that. I, I go, I'm not, you know, there for that. I don't. I don't know what it's going to look like after the first month of the season. Injuries can play a factor. I don't know. I think preseason rankings of college football are bogus. However, they're becoming more – they're becoming more like really there's not really any surprise any longer. And I think this is where college football is starting to get in trouble here a little bit. You know, all the things that I just mentioned to you about the NFL – you see, the cool thing about the NFL, you could be nine and seven, okay? Well, now with the new record, you could be nine and eight, okay? Or 10 and nine now and win a Super Bowl because it's more about the teams that are playing the best in the last month of the season. If you want to play championship football in January, you got to be playing it in December. And sometimes teams get better. We see that all the time. But see, in college football, if you're not undefeated, or if you lose one game and you don't play in the Southeastern Conference, the chances of you winning a national championship are none. You have no chance of playing for a national title. Here, follow me here on college football. So I, I, I put these five teams here, and I did put them in order. You know, it's, it's not something that I like to do. We're a couple months out from the start of college football, September, by the way, Krause's going to love this one. Miami plays Alabama in the opener, okay? I'm not sure what to expect in that bad puppy. I'm going to leave it there for right now. <laughs> okay? I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, okay? Okay? That there, um, 
let's just say this. When I was playing at UM, that would have been a great game. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens, okay? Woo! Man. Hey, if I'm not mistaken, I think that game's in Dallas. I think it is. I'm not sure. Oh. But here are you. Here are my top five. I got Ohio State. Watch this. I'm not going to make this dramatic here. Ohio State five, Clemson four, Georgia three. And the only reason I'm putting Alabama two is just because they can't be that good again, can they? And I got Oklahoma number one because they're bringing back their Heisman Trophy guy and Spencer Radler. It's the only reason. I mean, watch this. So know this. If Alabama wins a national championship again, they lost Mac Jones, Jalen Waddell, and Devontae Smith. And Najee Harris. And those dudes in the O-line. And wait a minute. The whole team has been wiped out. The whole team. If Nick Saban wins the national championship this year, I think this will be his greatest coaching job that he's ever done in his coaching career. Listen what he lost again. He lost the Heisman Trophy winner in Jalen Waddell. Or excuse me, in Devontae Smith. He lost Jalen Waddell, who was actually drafted ahead of the Heisman Trophy winner. He lost Najee. He lost Mac Jones. Oh, and by the way, let's add this dynamic. He also lost Tar uh, uh, Sarkeesian, his offensive coordinator, to Texas. The entire situation. He can't be the best team in college football again. But my point about these five programs, I don't know, the last 20 years, can we go back and these are the same programs? Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. Who gets a chance to kind of dip their toe in there? LSU dipped their toe a few times, right? Who in the last 25 years has dipped their toe in there? SC 15 years ago? Give, 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 give me teams that have dipped their toe in this thing. If you're not from the Southeastern Conference or one of these programs, what separates these five? These are the five best programs in the country, by the way. Oregon's kind of like almost there, but not yet. Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. Why are these programs every single year in the conversation when it comes to the national championship picture? Why? Because they've got the best recruiters. They've got the best coaches. Do you know when you're a coordinator at one of these programs, okay, you're making almost $2 million a year. So the turnover that you have, when when Steve Sarkeesian left and went to Texas and took the Longhorn job, he was making $2.5 million a year as the offensive coordinator in Alabama and a tax-free state. Goes to another tax-free state. He doubled his money, by the way. He's now making over $5.5 million a year as the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. That's the only kind of jobs that you're going to leave for. You're not leaving for TCU well, you're not leaving for San Diego State or you're not leaving for UCF. You're not going to any of those stiff programs. You don't have to. When you look at Venerables, 
who's up at Clemson. Why would that guy ever leave? He's making $3 million a year as the defensive coordinator at Clemson. Why would he leave? You wouldn't. You would wait for your dream job, maybe the Notre Dame job, by the way, which is not a gigantic paying job. But when you're one of those, that's the best coaches are here. Bill O'Brien, he gets fired with the Texans. Do you know whose coaching staff he's on right now? He's on Nick Saban's coaching staff. Bill O'Brien was, was offered numerous, and I mean numerous, opportunities to be a coordinator in the NFL and other places. He turned it down because he wanted to go to Alabama. Because what Saban is doing now down there with his, with his new program, he's got a rehab program down there. If you flop at a job, he'll bring you down if you're one of his boys, and you're going to get a – Bill O'Brien's going to get a better job. You know, Bill O'Brien, I thought, really did a nice job at Penn State after the whole paternal mess. Let's not forget who poured the cement to put the foundation down for where you see that program today. Okay, it was Brian. Bill O'Brien went into that joint, and he became the head football coach at Penn State. And for him to go in there and do the things that he did – is pretty remarkable because he took over for Joe Paterno and that was not the best scene. Remember what, you know, the whole nightmare of the Sandusky stuff. He went in there and he righted the ship. I always think that Saban respected him for that. Had to have been the most difficult job you could have ever have signed up for. He took it. Why wouldn't you want a guy like that on your coaching staff? I would totally want a guy like Bill O'Brien on my staff. I'm not necessarily saying that Bill O'Brien's a great head coach, even though he did win division titles with the Texans. And remember, he won them with guys like TJ Yates and those stiffs. Bill's not a bad coach, but the problem that Bill had, Bill ran into the Texans and when Fred and all those guys ended up like the McNairs ended up trusting him too much. They gave him the job as general manager. And he was over his skis when he got the general manager's gig because he's the same guy that ends up sending DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona. And that's what really started the whole cascade of negativity between Deshaun Watson and the organization. You're going to give me 40-some-odd million dollars a year. Then you're going to get rid of DeAndre Hopkins? We're trying to build a championship here. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to put a team together here. Again, so I really love – I'm not down on Bill O'Brien. It wouldn't shock me if he ends up getting another opportunity to coach in the NFL or college football at a big-time program. I think Bill's a good coach. He's just not a GM. and He stinks as a general manager. All right. But the point is, college football here, Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, SEC. That's it. It's become too regionalized, too. Look at these teams. Midwest, South, 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 Midwest. Okay, and Oklahoma, kind of in the South, right? It nobody in Alabama, nobody outside of Alabama. Okay, nobody outside of those places are going to be in a position where we're going to sit here and do this. Hey, man. You know, nobody in Los Angeles wants to watch Clemson and Alabama play for a national championship again. You know, that's why it's so important to get USC back and up and running. When you got teams like Oregon, 
Okay? That's not moving the needle. Okay? And college football and TV knows it. If you don't have a brand name, that these are the biggest brands with Notre Dame. But the thing with Notre Dame, Notre Dame is never going to win a national championship because you know why? They limit red shirts. Every one of these schools that I mentioned to you, as soon as you get in there, they look at that 20 recruiting class membership and they're trying to recruit that team immediately. There's very few guys that they're going to get that they're going to play as freshmen when you're at Alabama or Oklahoma or Georgia. They're going to they're going to they're going to redshirt you. Notre Dame they don't do that because it's an academic school. Same thing with Stanford. But Notre Dame has the shiny helmet. Notre Dame has the big NBC package. Never going to win a national championship because when they get on, get on the field against teams like Alabama, they beat the pace off them. They're never going to play for an opportunity to win that thing. They're never going to. But what they do do is they bring television ratings. There are always Notre Dame fans around the country, and that's what the TV networks. Is it unfair? Absolutely. Notre Dame never belongs in a conversation for a national championship. But when it comes to television, they belong because you have to get the TV ratings. You're not going to get television ratings with Alabama, Georgia, and places like that. You're just not. All right. Thumbs up, thumbs down. We're trying to effort our friend Kevin Frazier from Entertainment Tonight. I'll ask Kevin about that, too, because college football has become way too regionalized. We'll do all that next. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. D-A-T-L-E-S-E-O! Jody Mack. 
the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network. We're going to effort our friend Kevin Fraser from Entertainment Tonight. Talk some TV with him about the NFL and their power. Okay? Okay, just, I mean, the NFL has just taken the baton from baseball, basketball, every other sport. Now, Again, only in America because, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, there's no question anytime you get World Cup or you get Premier League and you're talking that around the world, soccer will always be front and center around the world. There's no question. I mean, the Premier League ratings um, around Europe and everywhere around the world, especially when you get into World Cup play, those numbers, I mean, are some of the biggest numbers. Networks just, they crave. I mean, there's no doubt. Soccer, I mean. Not in America, per se, still working on that. But the NFL has done such a great job of really, like, branding this sport here. The American sports fan now, I mean, the numbers, when you look at the top television shows of the year and you rank them, the NFL, we had Sean McManus on with us um, a couple weeks ago, the chairman of CBS Sports. And we were talking with him, and he was talking. It's the number one content provider for CBS. That includes all of their shows that they put on, their weekday lineup, what have you. When it comes to NFL football, the National Football League is their number one content provider when it comes to putting on television shows for CBS. And so the league, the way they've marketed it, and you know, we kind of went over this a little bit. You know, um, a couple days ago when we were talking, look, you have schedule dropping, you have combines, you have pro days. They build this story up for you and they do everything they possibly can to like, you know, to, to give you a story. And that's kind of what the NFL is. It's like the ultimate reality television show. Okay. What are these guys going to do? Because now, look, now you have the rookie camps. They were A lot of the teams, I think there were like 25 teams a week ago that were all with the rookie camps. Now coming up, you have the actual mini camp with veterans and the rookies. Then in July, you have the ultimate training camp. That's when everybody gets together, and that's when everybody puts their team together. They get ready for the exhibition season, and it's up and going. So television, though, man, has made it happen. And my man, I got to tell you, I, I don't know how many years that Kevin Frazier has been at Entertainment Tonight, but his heart is sports. I know it is. He joins us now here. How you doing, Kev? Dan, how are you, man? Oh, good. Dude, how many years now at Entertainment Tonight? Jeez, I got here in 2003, so it has been since 2000. It's almost – I'm coming up on 20 years. That's what's <laughs> It's scary. I, I, I listen. Shh, don't say a thing. Like, 
right now. Somebody might notice, somebody might realize, and they'll, they'll be like, get him the hell out of here. No, <laughs> let's not mess around. Absolutely, man. Hey, hey, by the way, he's 29, just so everyone out there keeping score. Right. Kevin's 29. <laughs> still young on the outside. Hey, Kev, how did – I was just talking about the NFL and the television uh, ratings, and sure. we had Sean McManus on with us a couple days ago, the chairman of CBS Sports. The NFL has now become the number one content provider for yeah. CBS and other networks. How has that happened? How did they take over from, say, Major League Baseball into being this conglomerate now where every network is paying billions of dollars to put that stuff on their network? Well, let's even go back to remember that networks have been built by the NFL. And it, you go back to when Fox started. What was the first, one of the first things that Rupert did? He went out and he procured some of the NFL to help push that slate of new programming and shows he had. And that helped get Fox over the hump. You know, it's, it's funny when I used to walk into the building at Fox Sports, we used to joke that that was the building that the football program built, that Howie and Terry and those guys and JB and that and Jimmy Johnson, that was the building they built. And that's true because football is a major driver. And sure, ratings were down a little, but sports ratings in general are the one thing that you can count on to go up because people are tribal. They love their teams. They will always follow their teams. And if you look at it now with streaming and everything being more accessible, people want to see their teams. They may not be able to go into the stadium and pay the $200 it costs to get a seat, but they doggone sure will tune in to see it. And then with the, I mean, now the NFL package, the NBA package, I mean, I'm an MLS package guy. So, I mean, you know, you look at all these different sports, sports drives TV and the NFL is the king right now. You know, and, and, and when you look at the branding and you look at the teams and you look at the storylines, Kevin, we're, we're doing a show on the NFL schedule dropping. I'm like, a schedule dropping? We're doing about, how much people talked about the schedule dropping, the lead up to the draft. When we knew, I mean, look, Trevor Lawrence was the guy. But the, the, the talk about the draft, how much analysis there is before the draft, how many mock drafts there are before the draft, how many um, shows about analyzing the draft after the draft. It's crazy, but it, it is it shows the power of the NFL. And I'll tell you this. I'll never forget going to a game in London. I was going to a, um, a soccer game. I went to go see um, – gosh, I can't remember who it was. And I was sitting – it was at um, – it, and I was sitting in the stands next to a guy who had on a Denver Broncos jersey. And I said, you're a Broncos fan? You're from Denver? What? And he's like, no, I'm a Broncos fan. I'm from here. And I go every year to at least one game. And I was like, what do you mean when one game comes here? And he's like, no, I go to Denver. I go to Mahai Stadium every year. I travel all the way to Denver. And that just tells you how the league around the world is, um, it, how it's viewed. I was at Craven Cottage. That's where I was watching a game at Craven Cottage, sitting next to this guy, and he had on a Broncos jersey of all things. I'm like, follow the team, bro, not the Broncos. <laughs> Let's get into some of the storylines here. Yeah. What's your take on this Tebow story? I, I think it's interesting. Here's the thing that we have to understand. Tim Tebow moves the dial. So all the haters out there who are like, why is he getting a chance? He doesn't deserve a chance, blah, 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 blah. Tim Tebow moves the dial. So if he moves the dial, then he's going to get an opportunity. Whether it works or not, who cares? Urban Meyer loves him, so let him try it. This guy, it, 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 no, it's like T.O. 
You know, people used to hate T.O., but I was like, but he moves the dial. Sports, we'd sit in our meetings at Sports Center and we talk about we're going to lead with T.O. again. Of course, you're going to lead with T.O. And the same thing with Tim Tebow. It gives us something to talk about. So when people say, oh, I hate that he's getting this opportunity. Listen, it's what drives this machine, this media machine. Everybody loves to talk about Tim Tebow. He has so many fans. And, and so I, I, I'm like, enough already. Everybody, he's going to come into camp. He's going to do what he does. It probably won't work out. So who cares? Give him his chance. You know what? And I, I completely agree with you. We had Charlie Ward on with us. Mm-hmm. Heisman Trophy winner a couple yep. days ago, and he goes like this. He's like, this has nothing to do with Kaepernick or race or anything. It's got to do with relationships. That's this guy's had a relationship with Urban Meyer for like 25 years. They were in Florida together. And quite frankly, I mean, Kevin, how many times have you caught yourself talking about the Jaguars? We're talking about the Jaguars. This thing has already worked, hasn't it? Even if he plays – sporadically right and also understand what it does bringing him in it drives an amount of attention on him and not others and think about that for a second that a kid like you come in and all of a sudden you're the big quarterback in the biggest setting and there's a lot of pressure on you but instead everybody's looking at tim tebow did he catch a ball and tied it? Uh, did he did he catch a ball today? What did he do? He ran through his workout. He stretched. He did this. And nobody's focusing on the other guys who are there and really count and matter. And so I think that's an important thing to think about, that Urban Meyer reached back into the bag. And, and he's smart. He dealt with the media. He's been a part of the media. And, and so I think that there was a, a little bit of this was playing a game with the ability to, to you know, take the pressure off the other guys. You know what too, Kev? Jimmy Johnson said this to us, and Dave wants that also too, speaking of Fox guys. They were like this. Well, you know what too? Because he's a college guy. He's going to get as many Ohio State, and he's going to get as many of Florida guys as he possibly can who were around his culture to put into the building so that these veteran guys that are in the building are going to know what to expect. And again, like you said, Kev, he may play only five games during a regular season, but what these guys are all going to do is yep. they're going to set the tone of what Meyer wants in the locker room. Do you subscribe to that? I do subscribe to that, and we know that system works really well in college. He's been able to plug and play wherever he's gone, and he's made it work. There's a difference in the NFL. You can't recruit, or if you do recruit, there's a cap on who you can recruit and how many guys. And that's why you look at, you know, look, Nick Saban's a hell of a coach. We know that. It didn't work in Miami because he couldn't go out and get his guys. When you look across the board, he's got four and five-star guys. Now, the same is going to happen to Urban Meyer now. He's not getting four and five-star guys that he wanted or that he had at Ohio State. Absolutely, man. Hey, football in L.A., NFL football in L.A., how's it worked? I think that, first of all, everybody's going to be jazzed about the new stadium. And it's going to be just an event to be seen at the new stadium and people will be there. I I still think that it was a mistake for the Chargers to come up here. I don't get it. They're going to be second class citizens for the entire their entire tenure here where they own the city down in San Diego. I'm not talking about financials, so don't anybody jump on me about financials. But I do know that there was a city that loved you, and now you come in and you play second fiddle. It's same with the Clippers, you know. The Clippers will always play second fiddle to the Lakers, even in years when they were better. Lob City still played a second fiddle 
to the Lakers. So it, it's like, find your home, make it your own and try. I, I just think that, you know, it, it, it's a lot. That's all I will say. But It'll be so sexy to be in that stadium. It's incredible. I've been in there a bunch of times already shooting stuff, and um, SoFi Stadium is something special. And the Super Bowl will be there this year. And I'm yeah. wondering, again, you know, and, 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 and Kev, I'm, I'm going to kind of like try to tie both of these in with sporting events and with what you're doing now with like the Academy Awards. I mean, the one thing that I think the NFL has done compared to what Hollywood has done and, and again, I think everybody has a right to say and do whatever they want. They can protest. They can do whatever. But the politics of getting into the NBA, check it out. Last Since 2017, they've lost 48% of their audience. The Oscars, lowest rated of all time because of the politics. The NFL stays away from that, Kev. And well, is that what mean, this, this is where I disagree with you, okay, because – if you talk about those audience numbers going down, it's because people are going, they're streaming this stuff now. So yes, the audience is shrinking, but people are still consuming it. A lot of times people will want to see the highlights at the end of it. And I don't think that the M the NBA may be losing its national TV audience because you can stream it now. Everybody watches on, on, on your phone. So that doesn't count in the Nielsen rating points just yet, or sometimes it's not figured in. It's just like with the Super Bowl, they're like, oh, well, the audience is shrinking for the Super Bowl a little bit. But no, it's not because they count the streams. People are streaming the NFL on their phone. So I will say that. Now, when it comes to politics and what's going on with the NFL, let's go back and look at what Colin Kaepernick did. And what he did now on the other side of a long, a long year, besides COVID and the civil unrest, we look at it and say, what he did was so simple and so little. The reaction was a lot. And the reaction was a lot because the person who knew how to blow up that reaction, the person in the White House knew how to blow up that reaction because he's a reality TV star along with the president of the United States. So I, I just think that when we look back at what Colin Kaepernick did and what other people did by kneeling a peaceful protest and we look at how it is shaped in the last year. I mean, it was nothing. It was what he did was so simple. It was nothing. So I, I think it's interesting. I don't think that the NFL is has stayed clear of politics. Just the politics have been overwhelmingly one way. I'll tell you something. You bring a great point up about a couple last questions for you, Kev. I, you bring a great point up about, you know, a silent protest. You know, there's only one other guy that I can think who did it with John Carlos and Tommy Smith. Those guys didn't say a word to. It was a silent protest. It was the anthem. It's funny how that's resonated now and how he is looked at years removed. And you know what? I've even backed up on it, Kev, and went like this. I get his point. And I guess some of us filled in the narrative through our own eyes where yep. it landed on the flag or it landed in a community protesting uh, against the, the police or what have you. I guess you can interpret those things just like we did with Carlos and Smith any way we want because it was an image, right? They were silent protests. Sure, but let's, let's, let's go back to two, two things first. I say the other protest that we have forgotten about is Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf when he was with the Nuggets, when he would stand away from the flag and hold his hands up because he um, is he he's Muslim, 
And so there was that protest and people didn't like it, but it didn't go, it didn't get elevated to a political issue. It stayed in the sports realm. But if you go back um, to the guys in Mexico City and you think about what they were fighting for, because that is the year of the player boycott. We forget about that meeting with Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all those people who met together and they had an economic form and they talked about changing the country. And we forget about how it was in America and how the advances we hadn't made yet in this country. And so these are people who said, you want me to go and run and be draped in the American flag and win gold medals. But yet when I go home, there are certain places I can't live. There are certain jobs I can't have or apply for. There are even certain schools I can't go to because in 1968, places like the SEC really hadn't integrated yet. So when you think about all that and you think about what they did, once again, you put it in a big context. It was such a small gesture. It was just a, it was reminding people of what was really going on at home. It's like, now we look at it and we say, oh, well, you know, there's these big TV contracts, there's all these things going on. But if you remember, the majority of your NFL football players in 1968, the black ones, where did they come from? Historically, black colleges and universities, they didn't come from the big schools. They were still coming from Grambling and Morton State and North Carolina A&T and all these other places because those players couldn't go to big colleges. It was a big deal back then when Michigan State had that great team with Bubba Smith, that Bubba Smith left Texas and went up there and went to Michigan State. But one of the reasons he went to Michigan State is because he couldn't go to Texas. That's right, or the SEC. Finally here, Cap Hollywood. I, you know what? I I loved, and I, I get pushback on this. I didn't mind the Academy Awards this year. I was I was okay. And if, you know what? If somebody has an opinion on something, I don't really care about that. I'm looking to be entertained. I'm looking for the the were industry. You, you were entertained this year. Well, well, no, no, no. I, I, I don't. Again, that's so much so that like I have been in the past. But to me, you know what? I mean, all I'm asking is to be entertained. How, how do you, how do you look at the Hollywood scene right now? Does Hollywood need to to redirect itself? Uh, what, it, where, where do they need to go? It's not redirect. It's bringing back the glitz and glamour. It's hard when you're in the middle of a year where COVID has kind of taken over and everybody can't be there, especially your big glitzy, glamorous stars. There were a lot of great people there, and I thought the Academy Awards did a great job of having a show during COVID. But if you've ever been on that red carpet uh, just once, and to see the stars and the people that are coming down that red carpet and the excitement that's in the air. You know when you look out in that audience and you see the biggest names in the business, um, you miss that, and that's what you missed. It is almost like when certain players opted out of the WNBA or NBA bubble, you're missing those players. You were missing those. There were players who, in a sense, opted out because their movies didn't come out this year. There are a lot of movies on hold, a lot of big movies. And so there was that. I, I think there wasn't the glitz and glamour and just the 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 general hype around the awards this year that there was in there has been in past years. And that's not knocking any of the movies or the people who were nominated. That is just talking about the on the scale that how they had to scale it down and how they had to work in that bubble. So it'll be fine next year. I promise you, it'll be back next year and it'll be fine. The Hollywood foreign press situation. How do you see that Goodbye. resolving? Goodbye. 
It is what it is. Wow. You ha- listen, listen. They have had time to reconcile this thing. They have had time to fix this thing. And for years, you know, they've been under fire because of the way choices are made with such a small group, you know. You think the Golden Globes are gone? Well, I'm curious to see if anybody will touch that hot potato. That'll be the thing. Is, Is it worth it to anybody to pick up that hot potato? When you have somebody like Tom Cruise saying, hey, take back my Golden Globe. Here you go. Take my award back. Here, I don't want it. I don't want it. That's a powerful statement. That's a powerful statement. And it goes way beyond just it, it, it goes it goes way beyond just that they didn't listen. They were so tone deaf that they blew a cash cow in that slot on NBC and being one of the major shows. If they drift off the sun, I mean, I have to believe that next year a lot of stars are gonna boycott the Golden Globes. <laughs> It's one, if not the second biggest award in Hollywood. Boy, man, I cannot wait for that story to play no, out. It's called a self-inflicted wound. And man, Kev, it is always great. You always find time for me, man. We go back 25 years. Yes, do. Brother, thank you so much for this. Listen, it is always a pleasure. You know, whenever you call or text, I'm in. And also, congratulations. I mean. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. God bless, man. That's my friend Kevin Frazier right there, man. I just absolutely love Kevin Frazier. Wow, the Golden Globes are gone, according to Kevin, man. I completely agree with him. Wow. Holy cow. All right. We'll take a quick time out and keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap. Go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mag. 
the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Ron Jaworski and Herm Edwards, the Arizona State head football coach, will be with us. Yeah, man, I I, I can't wait to talk to Jaws. Great, great thing about Jaws, he sits all day long at NFL Films watching game tape. That's all he does is just watch game tape. I'm going to try to get him to get some of my game tape there from the 87 season there to see if he can pull some of that stuff up against the Bears and whatnot too because he's right there. Steve Sable and the Sable family have been such a major part of the National Football League, and Jaws works in that company, man. I'll tell you, it's one of the absolute best companies in National Football The best, I would say this, the best video guys and camera people on the planet, in my opinion, they work at the NFL network offices there when it comes to NFL films. It's just truly one of the greatest of all time. All right. Really great catching up with Kevin Frazier. Um, I really loved what he said about, you know, how the NFL is just grabbing the baton now, and now it's the number one content provider. Sports is such a major part now when we're talking major television networks and what they're putting on for fans now. If it's sports-related, they're going to put it on more so than anything else. It's funny, isn't it? It's like reality TV and sports run many of these networks now. All right. Let's get into a little bit of what I was teasing the last hour and a half here, a little bit about thumbs up, thumbs down. I want to do this. I do this every year as we get closer to going to the minicamp. The major minicamp is coming up. What happens when a player gets drafted, majority of the teams around the National Football League will have a rookie minicamp. And what they do is they bring in guys and they just bring in the rookies and free agents. And they put these guys together. They see what they got. They want the guys all to start getting acclimated to being in, involved in the NFL life. That's what a rookie minicamp does. Then what they do is they get you ready for the upcoming minicamp that you have with the veterans. And also you put the rookies together and everybody's there. And you know what? This is your like last rehearsal before you go to training camp. You know, back in the day when I was younger, you could be a fat body and show up to training camp and you had three months to get yourself in shape. That's not necessarily the case anymore. You've got to be primed and ready to rock and roll when you're going into an NFL football season now. That's why, you know, back in the day, we used to have, you know, days off. We used to have some, you know, time where we could have to ourselves. To our, that's not the case any longer. It's just not the case. All right, so what I want to do is I want to get into talking about thumbs up, thumbs down. And as I was telling you and I was giving you the parameters of how I do this, I look at respected divisions, rosters, coaching staff, and what I do is I tell you whether or not – now, I don't give records. It's it's stupid. No, if you're – you know, I, I heard people – People talking about the Eagles coming season, and people are saying that the Eagles could win 12 games. The Eagles are not winning 12 ball games. The Eagles will be lucky to win five ball games. 
I'll get to them. But records now? Really? May 17th. You're going to put a record out there. How dumb is that? Why don't you at least get into the exhibition season before you start putting numbers to a winning season or a losing season? Okay? But what I will tell you is, did they do enough to give me optimism going into the upcoming mini camp and then into the fall camp in July? Let's take a look at it now. The Buffalo Bills. I think the Bills are continuing to get better and better and better and better and better every single year under Sean McDermott. And what you're loving, what they're doing now is they're showing you a lot of balance on how they win at home and how they win on the road and what they're doing inside the division. You got to remember something, man. Inside the conference a year ago, they were 10 and 2. Think of that in a minute. Think of that for a minute. In AFC, they were 10 and 2. In the division, they were 6 and 0. Okay? I mean, that's exceptional. At home, they're 7 and 1. You talk about like getting better and better with Josh Allen. McDermott has done a fabulous job. I'd like to see them get a little bit more in the running game, but I would tell you this flat out. The Buffalo Bills right now are one of the best teams and one of the best rosters in the AFC. They made limited amount of moves. That Stephon Diggs deal that they did a year ago with Rick Spielman, who's a general manager of the Vikings, bringing him in has panned out. This thing panned out. How about this? That Stephon Diggs going to Buffalo has panned out more, actually, than what the DeAndre Hopkins deal did for Arizona. Thumbs up for Buffalo. Miami Dolphins. I think it's a thumbs up, and I'm going to tell you, I'm still a little bit suspect on Tua Tagovailoa, but I'm a huge fan of Chris Greer and a huge fan of what Brian Flores is doing. Of all the coaches that Bill Belichick has had, he was there 14 years in New England. I think they're better on defense. Um, they did a nice job when it came to you know, winning games at home. I'd like to see a little bit more of that. They were balanced. They were 5-3, and 5-3 three, and three home and away, but – I like the Dolphins. Thumbs up for them. They're getting better. Patriots, this is going to be an interesting one here. They're going to get a boatload of opt-ins, okay? Plus, when does Mac Jones get on the field? They're a first-round draft choice out of Alabama. Will Cam have a better year? See, when I start asking questions out of the gate, it makes me think right around the 500 mark. They were 7-9. and nine. Is this a playoff team, head coach? I think this is a year whether or not we determine whether he is going to have a playoff year and whether or not Bill Belichick ever has a winning season ever again. This is going to be a big year in New England. I do think they're trending up. Not a lot because I asked two questions out of the gate. They're going to get a thumbs up. Actually, now when you look at it, I think the AFC East is actually going to get a thumbs up. The Jets, are they thumbs up? Look, I'm not going to sit here and do this to you. Well, they drafted Zach Wilson, so they're going to be a better football team. Why would I say that? They've destroyed every quarterback that's ever gone into that landfill. The Jets have never been good. They've had a couple spotty years. Outside of that, they've never been good. I've got to see it first. Thumbs down. I'm still not sold on the Jets. I'll never be sold on the Jets. Show me consistency. The entire AFC East, though, thumbs up. The North in the AFC. Steelers, you get Najee Harris? Hey, man. You sucked on third and one a year ago. They need a little bit better help at the linebacking court, but you got Mike Tomlin there, man. One of the top defensive-minded guys there is. I'm putting him in the Steelers. Now, will Ben walk back because he's 38? I don't think they're going to put him in a position where he has to throw the ball 35, 36 times. 
I think the Steelers are always trending up. How about the Ravens? The Ravens are such a great organization. I don't know how people don't look at the Ravens and go like this. The Ravens under John Harbaugh and Steve Biscotti, those guys are so good at what they do when it comes to organizing and constructing a roster. Always Ravens. And then they get Calais Campbell. They improve their defense. Ravens are always thumbs up. The Browns, thumbs up, man. AFC is looking pretty good here, aren't they? I think this is one of the better rosters. Is Baker Mayfield the guy, though? Kevin Stefanski did a great job with him a year ago. As long as you keep feeding those two guys, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, and you can get people on the ground, you now added to Davian Clowney, Browns look good, man. Thumbs up. The Bengals, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Got him a wide receiver, the kid from LSU. Kind of paired him up with his guy from LSU. Joe Burrow comes back from his knee injury. They address some of their needs on defense. I think the Bengals are trending up. I like the Bengals. That entire North division is trending up. Titans, I think they walk back a little bit defensively. But Mike Vrabel is such a great coach. 11-5 and five a year ago, they're going to be in the same boat. Anytime that you have that movable machine and anytime that you have that guy in the backfield, man, you're, you're going to move the chains. They play good enough defense. I think they're a good football team. They're still thumbs up. The Colts, great thumbs up. I think Wentz has a Pro Bowl year. I think he goes in there. I think Frank Reich puts everything on him. And I think that football team, defensively, they're strong. They're going to run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. I'm a big bull. I'm bullish on the Colts getting to the AFC title game. The Texans, backwards. That's a chaotic franchise. Chaotic. The Jags, and that's all I'm going to say. There's nothing else to say about them. Deshaun Watson, I don't know. The Jaguars, I think trending up. But guess what? Here's an outlier. I don't know how Urban's going to be as a head coach in the NFL. I don't know how Trevor Lawrence is going to be. I have no idea. These guys are college guys. It's a whole different world, man, when you're talking NFL. I think that South Division, I think it's okay. I think it's kind of like okay. It's not great. The West, wow. Chiefs, trending up. Orlando Brown. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, hello. The Raiders, trending down, thumbs down. My opinion, John Gruden, 19 to 29, going into this thing. Come on, dude. This ain't the year when. I think the Chargers are trending up. That's a good-looking football team led by Justin Herbert. The Broncos, Drew Locke, give me a break, trending down. The West, it's a good division at the top. Over in the NFC. Washington, really? Um, Fitzmagic? Needed to address that position, and you didn't. Okay? Trending down. Giants, trending down. Sorry. Well, you get Saquon Barkley back. Yeah, but who's your quarterback? Oh, yeah, that's right. Dimes Jones? Give me a break. Cowboys. In the mid, You know what? I'm going to go trending up because they solidified the quarterback position with Dak. Philadelphia, trending down. You dumped everything. Fired your coach. You fired the quarterback. And you're starting over with nobody and all these uncertain questions you have. Philadelphia would be lucky to win five ball games. They didn't even win five games last year. That's not a that's not a 12-win team. I heard some idiot saying that. Come on, man. Packers, 
all with the understanding that Aaron Rodgers is there, still trending up. They got they kept Aaron Jones. There are a couple crappy calls away from being in the Super Bowl. Bears. I'm going to keep them in the middle. I hate to do that and straddle the fence. We'll see about just we'll see about Justin Fields. Minnesota Vikings still got an issue at quarterback, but man, Devin Bush can run the ball, can he? I love that team. I think they flopped around last year, and I don't know why. The Lions, the kneecap guy. The Lions are the Lions. They're like the Jets. They suck. They're trending down. Saints, trending down. Who? Jameis Winston and Tyson Hill? Good luck. Buccaneers, massively trending up. Thumbs up. Carolina, I don't know, Sam Darnold. I don't know. I guess up. Falcons, up. You're getting... Kyle Pitts, best player in the draft. That I, I think Atlanta's going to be one of my surprise teams. Seahawks, thumbs up. I think Russell Wilson goes in there, puts that team on their back. They could be in the NFC title game. Rams, they get Matthew Stafford, thumbs up. Arizona Cardinals, thumbs up. They get J.J. Watt. 49ers, Trey Lance, and a healthy Garoppolo, in my opinion. Guys, that's going to make for a very interesting year, okay? A very interesting year in San Francisco. You know, when do you do you put Trey Lance in? You're not going to put him in if Jimmy Garoppolo is 6-2 and two and you're sitting there going, when do we get the guy in here, man? Do we start, you know, do we, do we put the guy in? Because Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Trey Lance will ever be. I mean, how about this? I'll back up. I don't know anything about Trey Lance. I've only seen, like, YouTube videos of the guy. Hell, I could put YouTube videos together of myself. Okay, I got more YouTube videos of me than Trey Lance does of himself. All right. Hope you had a great one. Don't forget, tomorrow we'll have Ron Jaworski with us from NFL Films, and we will also have our friend Herm Edwards, the head football coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, you can catch all of our interviews at the Jacob Media Channel. We'll catch you tomorrow going 4 to 6 Eastern time. And you keep it pinned right here on the National Football Show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.